time. The great thing of this Easter period, some people have a, um, uh, a, a real sadness of what happened. Um, I'm quite the contrary. I just am thrilled um, that the Father sent the Son. But this is the important thing, that the Father made a decision. You see, it was the predetermined will of the Father that the Son should go to the cross. Often you hear, oh, the Romans, all the Jews killed Jesus. No, they didn't. It was the Father. It was the Father that did it. They were tools in his hands, but it was all the Father's plan. And how great a love is it, and all you fathers here that have children, that you would take a child of yours and sacrifice that child for somebody else. That's the love of God. It overwhelms me. Well, I'm overwhelmed tonight as well in seeing you all here. I'm so pleased you're here. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. Holy Spirit, you are so welcome in this place. And uh, speak to us, spirit to spirit, revealing your truth that would help us in this journey of life. You have called us for a purpose, and the purpose is to serve you and to advance your kingdom. So have your way with us tonight, and we just thank you so much for this great celebration time. In the name of Yeshua, and everybody said... Amen. That's not a new God. Yeshua is uh, Jewish for Jesus. Is that okay? <laughs> Yeshua. Um, before I start, I just want to briefly uh, let you know what, because some people have asked, uh, what are you doing now? And I ask myself the same questions. What am I doing now? Um, I've just recently taken on the position of the state director for South Australia and the Northern Territory, for Compassion Australia. So um, that's a new uh, leadership role that I've been given. But I've been drawn to Compassion uh, because, uh, and, and I thank God for all the agencies that help children in poverty. But the one thing about Compassion is that they work and they only work through the local church of that region. And that, because I'm a local church person, I love the local church. The local church is the vehicle, is God's plan to take the message and the love of God to wherever that church may be. And so uh, I'm thrilled to be uh, part of uh, Compassion and uh, the great work that they do. They, at this point in time, 1.7 million children around the world are sponsored through Compassion. So that's wonderful. The only problem is that there is approximately another 100 million that are in extreme poverty. And uh, I'm sure that figure is even more. So there's a drop in the bucket, but the drop makes up the ocean. So uh, uh, that's what I'm doing. And uh, I I, I said to Pastor Gary, I don't know what God's doing to me in my old age with um, the, the passionate, fiery person that I've been for the church and for the kingdom of God. And now I'm starting to get teary about kids. I mean, I love kids. Don't misunderstand me. But uh, I think, dear Jesus, what are you doing to me? But um, um, it's, um, it's a great privilege. And I, I, I asked uh, humbly, 
um, that um, we were allowed to bring some children along, and they're on the table at the back. There's only eight of them. But these children are touched by heart because they have been waiting for around a year for a sponsor. And until that sponsor comes, they are left alone. So um, if any of you are moved afterwards um, to have a look at those children, it is dangerous to go look at the children, though. My beautiful wife will be there to help you. So anyway, that's what I'm doing now. Praise God. Well, um, this is Monday, Thursday. This is the night before the Friday. And uh, it's called in uh, Christian circles, Monday, which um, has a meaning of command and holiness. And the command that Jesus gave to his disciples is what we have been called to, and that is to love one another. Come on, church. Uh, I mean, I, I, you may have heard me say this because I've been to this church quite a few times. It's easy to love God. God's never the problem. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's easy. I love you, God. You're wonderful. Um, I, I felt as I was journeying and working through things in life that Jesus tended to spoil it when he said, love God. And I said, I'm with you. That's it, yes. And, what do you mean, and? Love your neighbor as yourself. And right there, things were spoiled. Because I realized that in my own strength, I can't do that. And if I may be so bold as to say, none of us can. It's only by His grace and His love inside of us. Because the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart and my heart by the Holy Spirit. So on Maundy Thursday, this night tonight, the command is that we should love one another. On that night, there was two significant things that took place. The first was the washing of the feet. And you may be pleased or um, disappointed that we will not be washing your feet tonight. But there is a wonderful picture of the leader, the master, the Lord humbling himself before his disciples to wash their feet. It was the job of the servants and generally the lowest servant was the one who washed the feet of the visitor in a Jewish household. And Jesus, that's why Peter got so offended and said, you want to wash my feet? He was very proud about it. You won't be washing my feet. But Jesus said, if you do not humble yourself, this is what's hidden behind it. You can have no part of me. So um, that was a significant thing. The other was what we're going to participate in tonight. And that is Passover or the cedar meal. You see, communion comes out of Passover. And uh, even today... In Israel and in Jewish households who generally, even the ones that are not fundamentalist or traditionalist, will participate in Passover. Um, the Jewish year goes by the lunar calendar. That's why Easter moves around a bit each year. Sometimes it's in March, sometimes it's in April. We go by the sun, they go by the moon. That's why it moves. And so... On this night, um, 
the celebration of Passover is taking place and it's a significant thing amongst the disciples and in Jewish households, um, it's a common practice. The way that they do it varies quite a bit, but the main ingredients that we're going to go through tonight is very um, Jewish and very much a part of the cedar meal. Now, going through this, I want to really encourage you, it's not for us to all turn Jewish. If so, men, circumcision is on the way. Um, what, what we're doing tonight is taking a meal and unearthing the fulfillment of this meal that comes through Christ. And um, the Jewish people today have still got the blinker or the veil that comes over their eyes and they are still looking for Messiah. But the good news is, and the good news is for Israel, is that there is a day that's coming where the veil will be lifted. Pray for Israel. Um, uh, Israel has still got a part to play in the purposes of God. Romans 11 is very clear to us. Has God rejected his people? Certainly not. Often there's been a teaching about replacement theology, and that is um, Israel messed it up, and so what God had to do was replace Israel with the church. And Israel's just like everybody else. Well, Israel is just like anybody else. However, God, who when he makes a covenant with a people fulfills it. And if you go through the scriptures, you will continually see that he says to the people of Israel, I have made a covenant with you forever. He talks about the land, which is so contentious as, uh, as we know in the Middle East. But God says, this land belongs to you forever. God is going to have his way. And does God love the Palestinians? Does God love the Arabs? Does God love the Iraqis, the Iranians? Absolutely. But God has a plan. And God is going to fulfill his plan. You all good? That might be Jesus. Okay. What we're going to do is... um, uh, we're, we're going to um, do what's called the Haggadah. And what, it's not a dance. It's, um, we're going to read scripture because Haggadah is the telling. And uh, it's the telling of the story. So there's a bit of scripture. And um, if you're not familiar, we're, I'm not wanting to bore you, but we're wanting to just present the picture and what happens on a night such as this. The candles are lit, and the representation of that, even for Israel as we understand for ourselves, is to let your light shine. So we're going to open up with the scripture, and it comes from Exodus 12, and it goes 1 to 14, then Exodus 12, 21 to 28. Um, the children were always asked and encouraged to ask questions. Why on this night is it that we do this? Why on this night do we do that? And so the Haggadah in the telling 
was introducing to all that were at the meal what was going to take place and why that was going to take place. So let's have that scripture up. Um, It's interesting to note that um, there are three great feasts in Israel. There are actually seven, but three great feasts. And that is Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And the requirement of the firstborn in every family, firstborn male in a Jewish family, is to go to Jerusalem and represent the family at that particular feast. So three times a year, the Jew was expected to go to Jerusalem and participate in these three feasts. Even today, that's still a common practice. At the day of Pentecost, when those 3,000 got saved, they got saved because they were coming to celebrate Pentecost. They were not ignorant of the Scriptures. Because some people say, oh, we'd love to see in Adelaide a revival where 3,000 get saved. Well, we'd love that. But you've got to remember that the people that Peter was speaking to were very familiar with the Scripture. Unfortunately, in our city, in our region, people are not familiar with the Scripture. That's why he said, this is what the prophet Joel said. And they all said, yeah, we know what the prophet Joel said. And they opened themselves to the Word and to the Spirit of God. So tonight, we're reading the Scripture and we're familiar with the Scripture. If you're not familiar with the Scripture, that's okay. This is a journey for all of us. I've just discovered as I've got older, you wouldn't believe that I'm 39. (laughs) I didn't think you did. Um, But I've discovered as I've got older how much I don't know. (laughs) It's amazing. When you start out, you think you know it all. Oh, well, I did. But then God dealt with me. Look, here's the Passover instituted. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for the household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintels of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in the fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall not let none of it remain until morning And what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. 
For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. So Passover, the word Passover and the, the meaning of Passover is that the judgment that came through the angel passed over Israel, but the judgment did come upon those that did not have the blood on the lintels, that did not follow the instruction of God. The next scripture, this is the Haggadah that we're doing. Then Moses called out to all the elders of Israel and said to them, pick out and take lambs for yourself according to your families and kill the Passover lamb and you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service that you shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. God help us in our understanding of this word. Amen? Um, Deliverance could only come through sacrifice. And so the Passover for the people of Israel was a Passover feast of freedom. Now part of the Passover is that on that night when Jesus was with his disciples, how they would behave and how they would stand was very important because they understood that when you are a slave, you stand to attention at the master's table. And when the master calls, you respond. But you see, for the people of Israel, they have a moment in the Passover is when they lean You remember how it says of uh, John the Beloved that he leaned on the breast of Jesus and asked, who is it, Lord, that betrays thee? What he was doing was playing out Passover. He was leaning. He was relaxing. Now, to us, that might seem a bit strange, but you've got to remember that they came out of slavery All they had known for 430 years was a life 
of subjection in slavery. And now the Passover, the feast of freedom had come. And so they would not have table and chairs. They would be on the floor. Not through any other reason is that they didn't have table and chairs like we have today. But the common practice was the table was at that level. And they would be like this. And they'd have their moment of leaning. It's interesting, isn't it? There were a bunch of leaners. <laughs> so when, when, people, when people say, we want to lean into God, they're actually using a Passover phrase. And, and leaning into God, that phrase is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Because in your freedom of, of God being accessible to me, God being accessible to me, for goodness sake, I can lean into him. Why? Because I'm a free man. Isn't God good? So, here we are, relaxed. And part of the relaxing was that on a case, as we, we won't necessarily do it tonight, but there might be times when we will, when we speak out the halal, which is, a, it says that they sang hymns together. You remember that verse? Where in the Passover they sang hymns. Well, their hymn primarily was the halal, which is, The Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. The Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. The Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. One more time. The Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. Do a bit of leaning. Come on. Lean on somebody. Make sure they know you. Now, the journey of Passover, as I said, is different um, throughout all the Jewish tradition and and depending on what um, influence and what rabbi was your teacher. And I'm talking about even today, it's the same. Whatever teaching your rabbi brings to you, the ingredients are the same, but the practice slightly differs here and there. But what we're going to do tonight is take, you've got a little cup of wine there. And as you can see, I've got four cups, which means for you, you've not got four cups, but you've got to have four sips. So on the first drink, don't drink it all, otherwise you'll be, it'll be empty on the other three. Uh, and, and the first cup, and Pastor Gary's told me that you've been doing the four cups teaching. So I hope I don't go too way off for you here. Um, but it's the, this is the cup of sanctification. This is the cup of separation. See, when you're sanctified, you are set apart. And for each one of you here, if you have asked Christ into your life, but let me say this, even if you've not asked Christ into your life, you are not here by coincidence tonight. You are here because it was God's predetermined will for you to be here and to hear, hear this because God has set you apart. But for Israel, who lived amongst the Egyptians and the pagans of the day, the Philistines, 
they knew that they were set apart. And they knew they were set apart because for all the men, as we know, they were circumcised. And the reproductive organ, that when they came together, the men in their closed rooms could prove to one another, I'm a man of the covenant. So afterwards, men, we could gather to... No, we won't go there. So they, they, they carried the mark of the covenant. And it's that the seed that reproduces after itself, coming from the Jew, was that that seed would become a covenant child, man or woman. But if you were born male, then on the eighth day, you would be taken to the sanctuary, whatever form that that was at that time, and you would be circumcised, and you would carry the mark. It wasn't necessarily for some people thinking it was done for health reasons. No, it was done as a mark of the covenant. For you and I, we have been circumcised of the heart, the Bible tells us. And so we are covenant people. So let's take the first cup. And the first sip together as we say that we are a sanctified people. Drink together. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Now, as we move into the cedar, this is called the cedar meal. And you can see the elements on there, and we'll just talk about each element as we uh, go on this journey together and of what it means. Um, I want you to, um, in, in that scripture, it says, find a lamb without blemish. When Jesus came before Pilate, three times Pilate said, I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. After that pronouncement, the lamb was ready had to be examined first. And Pilate, who was the prefect of Judea, he'd been there for, he actually served there for 10 years. But he was the head of, the, he represented Caesar. He represented the government. And so he, before the high priests, examined and said, I find no fault in him. He's ready. So the lamb, the piece of lamb that you have got, represents the Passover lamb. And God said, partake of the Passover lamb. Eat it all. And whatever's left in the morning, you burn it up. But for us tonight, I hope that we can all manage this. But this is part of our cedar meal. Remember, what we're taking out of this is what Jesus fulfilled. And the disciples were all sharing this together. And somebody, probably Jesus, was leading it and explaining what 
was taking place. For most, for all of them, they would have known anyway. It's just a practice of the tradition. So let's take for ourselves and read 1 Corinthians 5, 7 that says, Therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. God calls us a new lump. Since you are truly uh, are unleavened, for indeed Christ our Passover lamb was sacrificed for us. Let's partake together of the lamb. Cooked to perfection. There's more afterwards. I'm just kidding. As you can see, I'm not very religious. I try not to be so somber. I am rejoicing in all of this because I am a man that's been set free. Sanctification, the lamb, my Passover lamb. What would take place is then the matzah bread would be taken. And the matzah bread is unleavened bread. And um, my piece, I don't know how big your piece is. (laughs) But my piece has got stripes and holes in it, piercings. And the Jews use this today. In fact, tonight, there'll be Jewish families all around Adelaide, South Australia, and beyond that will be taking the matzah bread. You can get this down at the synagogue in town. And what took place is, and what does take place, is the break the bread into three pieces. And for them, it represents... Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For a fulfillment of this, for us, it represents the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, what's really interesting is the middle piece, Isaac, what happens is that they get a napkin and they wrap up the middle piece. They'll be doing it tonight. They wrap up the middle piece and then they go and hide it in the room somewhere. And it's a game for the children throughout the night to try and discover where the napkin is. You see, that is a picture that Christ is hidden from them and from those that don't want to seek after him. Because Jesus promised that if you seek, you will find. Now, I believe this, that when that was broken into three pieces, that Jesus picked up the middle piece and he said, this is my body. And, and you see, they would have been alarmed because, what, what are you talking about? Uh, I, I am the Isaac. You see, 
Abraham, the father, it tells us in Hebrews eleven seventeen that Abraham took Isaac up to Mount Moriah by faith to sacrifice him. But in the midst of the actual worship time and ready for the sacrifice to take place, God said to Abraham, stay thy hand. Beautiful King James, that stay thy hand. Don't kill Isaac. But you see, for the father this time, as the matzo bread is lifted up and Jesus says, this is my body. The father doesn't stay his hand. He's going to, the, the, this time, he's going to follow it through. When we take communion, we do remember the sacrifice. But if you picture that, that this is my body, and we'll get to the cup, we can see that it's a portrayal and a fulfillment of Passover. God's so clever. He's so clever. But it's all hidden, you see. You've got to seek after this stuff. And that's why, and you've heard me say this before, it's important to, to chase after the word. It, you can say, well, I'm not a studier. I, I, I left school when I was 15. I, I'm, I, I, I believe in the church. We do not have a faith problem. We have a word issue. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And if you seek, even when you read, and I do still, I read stuff and I go, what was that all about? Uh, I I just believe that it goes into my spirit and that it'll come out. And I want to encourage you, this is not about mental capacity. This is about a desire to get the word of God because inside of you is all the faith you need. You ain't going to get more faith. You ain't going to get more love, and you ain't going to get more hope. You've got everything you're going to get. What we need is more word to get the stuff out. That's how it works. God's clever. Are you enjoying your meal? So... You've got your matzo bread there? Let's take that piece. And the the thing about matzo bread, it really clams up your mouth. I find. So I'm not going to eat that big piece. I'm just going to eat a little piece of Isaac that in fact is Jesus. And and, and this is where communion comes from. Let's take the bread together. I just looked at the time. Let's all have a drink together, shall we? Not the wine, the water. Okay. The next is the egg. This is part of Passover. This represents new life. In fact, the Jewish people used to take eggs to funerals. 
and they'd eat the egg and saying that there is a death, but in the egg there is new life. Interesting. And so part of their celebration is that for them leaving Egypt and coming out into the wilderness, it was new life. Let's eat together. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Thank you. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The next part is the bitter herb. And that's your light green piece there. This was to remember... This was to remember where they come from. The bitterness of slavery. And and as we partake of this, um, uh, part of communion is remembering. And it's not only remembering what Jesus did, but what Jesus has done for us. Uh, communion for me is to remember the times in my life as a believer that I'd had the mighty hand of God move in my life to deliver me from situations. And communion is contemplating and remembering those things, but also remembering where I, what I used to be and what I was a slave to. For Israel, they took a bitter herb. I hope you enjoy this. But it's a remembering of where you come from. Let's eat together. In Romans 6.17 it says, But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. We were former slaves of sin. And that's for the people of Israel. In this meal, they remember where they came from. The next one is you've got a, some salt water in the middle of your table. Yep, everybody identify your salt water. Now, no dub, double dipping. Um, but you've got some parsley and you've got the salt water. Um, the parsley is a, a, a type of remembering that they are a chosen people. But they were a chosen people that weeped. And the salt water represents the tears that took place as they were in bondage in Egypt. And, you know, it tells us in the scripture, and I, I think we've got it down yeah, 2 Corinthians 7.10. Yeah, we've got that. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the, but the, sorrow of the world produces death. Um, I don't know about you, but um, certainly as I get older, I seem to cry a lot more. But I also remember in my early days of uh, coming to faith of having the tears of uh, 
remembering where I'd come from and what I'd done. And it was a godly sorrow that was put upon my life. As we participate of this, of remembering um, for Israel their bondage, again, that we are a chosen people, but we still have cried tears of sorrow. I, I think it even goes to a place of the tears that we cry for those that we know and love that are still in bondage. Let's participate of this. Dip your parsley and then enjoy the salt and the parsley together. Now, if anybody ends up with green on their teeth, just let them know quietly. (laughs) The second cup. Now, the second cup has a couple of names. It's a cup of deliverance. But it's also the cup of God's wrath. And the picture of what happened to Israel that they lived in but were not affected by, but Egypt was, and that was the ten plagues. And so the wrath of God, because it's important for us to understand that punishment for breaking the law has to take place. You see, when Jesus had the crown put on his head and it, it bit into his mind... That was for all the mental illness. That was for all the wrong thinking. That was for all the depression. You paid the price for our sin. Not that I'm saying depression is a sin, but it's a result of sin. And so he paid the price so that we might go free. Come on, church. And and if you're still suffering with depression, that's okay. I'm suffering with stuff. We each suffer with stuff. But we know that as we go through the tunnel, that somebody's going through with us and there's a light at the end. There's the deliverer. Let's drink together. carries the wrath of God and in Matthew 27, 26 it says of Jesus that he was released by Pilate uh, sorry, that Pilate released Barabbas to them and when he had scourged Jesus he delivered him up to be crucified. When that bone and metal went into the back of Jesus and popped out his skin the revelation was, that's what sin deserves. When the Roman soldiers kicked him and thumped him and spat upon him, it resonated in heaven, that's what sin deserves. Praise the Lord, he took and paid a penalty I could not pay. We're nearly done.
Now, the third piece of bread, we've got two pieces of bread left here. I don't think you've got any left, but I've got, I've got two, le- uh, two left. Um, they represent the father, Abraham and Jacob, or who became Israel and the Holy Spirit, represents the Holy Spirit. We understand the picture of the Father, but in Israel, the building of the kingdom of Israel started. The Holy Spirit, represented in this third piece, was in Acts 1.8, that he shall come upon you and give you power so that you might be witnesses in all of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, because there is the building of the kingdom of God. This is the peace that we have been given to live today, because you and I are not here for ourselves. Don't misunderstand me on this. I'm not a masochist. But we are here to live a life for the kingdom of God. Otherwise, let's all go to heaven because it's a lot nicer there. And we'll have Passover food that's going to be just as delicious because you're going to be cooking it for us again. It's just going to be wonderful. But no, we are here for his purpose. And this last bit that you've got here, which is the charazette. Um, This is the mortar, this represents the mortar uh, between the bricks as they built for the people of Egypt. What this represents for us, you better use your fork on this one, is this is the rebuilding of our own lives. Let Let me tell you, you come to Christ, the intention is not for you to stay the same. Come on, give me a few more yeps around the place. The, the, the idea, you see, let me, let me say this to you. If, if you are on a journey towards believing, uh, tread carefully because God's going to change you. It's not going to be the same. Um, let, let me just put a, a little bit in for compassion that I learned. One of the things about the kids in these countries is... And their families is that they want to change. You know how we can go around the suburbs and, uh, of Adelaide and ask people, oh, I'm not sure I want to. I'm happy as I am. Those kids are happy kids, but they, want to, they do not want to stay in poverty. I do not want to stay, for me, in sin. I do not want to be a slave. I want to change. I want to rebuild And I need the mortar of the love of God in my life to rebuild. Come on, let's try it together. Mm, That's got a nice zing to it, hasn't it? I won't ask you what you put in it. Um, this third cup is the cup of redemption. This is our third, third drink. 
Now, they had the three cups together, and they always had the fourth one separated. Uh, and the fourth one is a, a special one. Um, but we'll get to that in just two minutes. This is the cup of redemption. Um, and the acknowledgement for the Jewish people is of their redeeming from the slavery into now being free men and women, being a free nation, standing in its own right. Let me tell you, the patriotism in Israel is incredibly strong because they were a people that were dispersed for approximately 2,000 years. It was only back in 1948 when it was established the sovereign state of Israel. That is a fulfillment of Scripture. That God, When God says, I'll call them from the east, and we use it, we'll say, God, we call them from the east, we call them from the west, we call them from the now, north and south, bring them home. That's talking about from the diaspora, which is the sending out or the disbursement to the return of Israel as a nation. They are in redemption. And they're on that journey now, but still being blinded. We've had the veil lifted, and we're redeemed, and we are part of something that is called the church. We are called the church and united together as the redeemed. We are connected together. Now, this... There's um, conjecture in what cup that Jesus drank. See, uh, I have a leaning towards the second cup because it's the cup of the wrath of God where it's said that God pours out his wrath. And so this is my body, Isaac, and this is the cup of the new covenant. I take the wrath of God. But there's others that believe that it's the, the redemption that Christ brings, that he took the third cup and he's restored everything back. Let's drink together. I'm sorry, Pastor Gary, I've gone over 10 minutes, but I'll finish. No, I'm serious. I, I really I'm a, do apologize for being a little bit long-winded. The last cup is the cup of praise. This is the messianic cup. Um, this is a cup that um, some say is the one that Jesus spoke of in Luke 22, which says, 22:18, For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes, because this is known as the cup of completion. And so Jesus picked up the cup. Some say that he, that was the one that he drank from because this is for the Messiah. The three cups were for, and the people of Israel tonight, the Jewish people, won't touch that cup. That'll be left. They'll drink those three, but they won't touch that. That is for Messiah. But Jesus picked it up, I believe, and said, I won't drink of this cup until it's completed, until I'm, the kingdom comes, as it says in Luke. 
but we're going to drink it tonight because we're living in the completion. Let's drink together. So at the finish of Passover, after the food is eaten, and let me see, they have a hearty eating time. They will take a child and ask a child to go to the front door to open up the door with the expectation of what they would term as Elijah or Messiah. That's a messianic term. And they'd open the door, and we've got a spare seat at the back there. That also is a part of a um, tradition to have a seat there for Messiah. Now, the empty seat has been filled by Christ who has left the empty grave. And so the child would go and open the door and there'd be nobody there and they'd come back and then, I've got to look at this for my Hebrew, they would say, Shana Haba Be Yerushalayim, which means next year in Jerusalem. Because their expectation is that the next year, when we take Passover, Messiah will come. Father God, we just thank you for your wonderful truths. We thank you for your great wisdom. We thank you that you hide things and yet you are the great revealer as well. Lord, as we have come humbly before you tonight to get a, a, a little piece of your truth, we just say, reveal more to us, Lord. And we give you thanks for what you did as you partook of Passover, that you fulfilled Passover tomorrow. You gave of yourself and you fulfilled and became Passover lamb. We just want to give you all the honor, all the glory. And we pray these things in the wonderful name of Yeshua. And all God's people agreed and said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.